Radiolab is supported by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Uh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <coughs> you're listening, listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. See? Yep. <laughs> Our reading for today is coming from Psalm 92, from verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I have a brother called Jad, by the way. No way. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he's a stand-up comedian and actually pretty famous in Lebanon. So. <laughs> What's his name? Jad Bukaram. Oh wow! I yeah, look him up. he has his uh, like. He's on on a TV show. <laughs> His uh, handle on all these social media has always been, oh, my Jad, because it's, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I get it. This is Radio Lab. I'm Jad Abumrad. Uh, we start this episode just for kicks with two Jads, but really it's about 47 Lebanons. <laughs> Lebanon, of course, Lebanon the country, has been in the news a lot recently. In the most heartbreaking way. On this Tuesday night, an enormous explosion blasts through Beirut. Horrific disaster. Rubble everywhere. Buildings blasted open. The Red Cross has put out an urgent appeal for blood donors. My family comes from Lebanon, and to be Lebanese is, I don't know, to be in a constant state of vertigo where you never know when the floor is going to drop out from under you. Lebanon has a history of conflict and of bombings, but the scale of this is like nothing else. As we are watching this latest horror unfold, we happen to be simultaneously working on a story about Lebanon. Very different story that in its own way kind of explores that feeling of dislocation. And uh, it actually wasn't our story to begin with. A year ago, I was listening to this wonderful podcast. I'm Hibba Fisher, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures called Kerning Cultures. Radio documentaries from the Middle East. And I heard a story called Lebanon, USA. In 2005, a Lebanese man... I immediately called Heba Fisher, who runs the podcast, and asked her if we could air it too. She very graciously said yes. And uh, the main character of the story... My name is uh, Fadi Bukaram. ...is the guy with a brother named Jad. And I'm a photographer. And you also work in uh, finance, right? Uh, Yeah, I do U.S. tax law. (laughs) Okay. The growth industry. Uh, or, yeah, but I, I'm on the good side, not the bad side. So I help the IRS catch people who don't pay their taxes. <laughs> oh, right on. Right on. <laughs> now, Fatty's story, the one I heard on Kerning Cultures, the one that we're going to quote from now, deals with a road trip. A road trip that, frankly, I've been wanting to do my whole life but have never gotten around to, but that he actually did. And it began for him on an ordinary day in Beirut 
uh, about 15 years ago with an incident that eerily mirrors recent news. I was in my office. So you were yeah, working? I was working. It was in the Ain Lemreise area, like by the beach. Okay. This is downtown Beirut. You yeah, know, yeah. so, yeah, so it was there. Even though it took like half a second, that whole thing. But in my mind, it always plays in slow motion. He says he was sitting in his office, third floor of a building, just typing away at his computer, when all of a sudden... The electricity went off, and then you started feeling the earth, like the floor, rattling. And then I found myself just thrown off my chair and just landed on the other side of the office. <laughs> and then when I got there, it's like, I remember it's kind of like, oh, crap, my, there's glass on my face. And I remember seeing, like, feeling that blood is dripping on my neck. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, please let it not be my head. And the only reason I was thinking that is that I hate going to the doctor to get sutured. So when I felt like, oh, thank God, it was only my ear that was slit, not my head. So that's the kind of thing you think. So, <laughs> yeah. Before the bomb went off, were you looking out the window and seeing the, I don't even know what was happening outside? His car was just passing. That's it. This was February 14th, 2005, when the former prime minister of Lebanon, Rafiq Hariri, was assassinated. His car had been driving a few blocks away from Fadi's office. Oh, so, so you it didn't wasn't, even know. You didn't even no, know. No, no, no. I had no idea. No, no. His car was passing. Apparently, there was a hotel where some guy was standing with like a remote thing. They were waiting for him to pass through the spot and then boom. And then, you know. Oh, oh my gosh. And so that was the moment for you where you thought, I need, I need a change. And yes, I, ne I needed a break. Fadi had basically grown up during the Lebanese Civil War which lasted 15 years, destroyed the country many times over. God. So I, when I applied to the university, I didn't even care what I was applying for. So I applied for a master's in math, a master's in French literature. Like these are the things that didn't require any standardized tests because there was no time. So because I needed to get out as, as soon as possible. So because the, the assassination happened on Valentine's Day. So remember that, 2005. By March, I had applied by August, I was accepted. Uh, September, I was out. Wow, so you really were just like hitting the eject button, basically. Yeah. So Fatty moves to San Francisco, goes to school, studying uh, first math and then business. A few years pass. That memory of Valentine's Day 2005 sort of hovers over him. And one day he finally decides to stare at it. This is really the sort of genesis moment. He decides to think like, oh, what exactly happened that day? day. And so he heads to Google and starts doing some searches. I was looking for the exact spot where the prime minister was assassinated because uh, Street View was new, relatively mm. speaking. So I'm talking 2007, six. So I just wanted to see how the area looked from above and where my office was and all that. And I, I was see. typing Lebanon and it said Oregon. It's like, so oh, that's it auto-completed auto -completed Lebanon, Oregon? Yeah. That must have been weird. My first idea is like, why the hell would they have, would they call their place Lebanon? You know? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I had no idea. It's like, why would there be a Lebanon outside my Lebanon? His next thought was, are there more than just this one in Oregon? So I found a database of all the names of towns in the US. I downloaded it and like did some data, data mining or whatever you call. And then there was over 40 of them. It's like, geez, it's like, he found 47 Lebanons 
in the United States. Lebanon, Oregon, Lebanon, Ohio, Lebanon, South Dakota, Lebanon, Kansas, Lebanon, Nebraska, Lebanon, Kentucky, Lebanon Junction, Kentucky, Lebanon, New York, New Lebanon, New York, Lebanon, Wapaka County, Wisconsin, Lebanon, Connecticut, Lebanon, Indiana, Lebanon, Tennessee. Okay, wait, Lebanon. Uh, Tennessee, I, I grew up next to Lebanon, Tennessee, or, or Lebanon, as they say. I, I always thought, well, some Lebanese must have just settled there at some point and just decided to call the town that, but I know that's not true. Why are there so many American towns named Lebanon? Oh, Bible. <laughs> One Is it word, that Bible. Yes, so for most of them, it would be... You know, there were people were expanding west. This is in the late 1800s, mostly. From east expanding west. So they would cross areas that they thought were very green. And it would remind them of passages within the Bible, Old Testament. The righteous shall grow like a palm tree. They will multiply like the cedars of Lebanon. So they would see trees and in their minds, it's like, oh, these are the cedars of Lebanon. And they were called the place Lebanon. In any case, uh, Fatty downloads this list. And when I downloaded all the names, I thought, well, that'd be a nice trip to do someday when I retire. Mm. You mm. know? Uh, and it all kept in the back of my mind. So it's like, I'll do it someday. I'll do it someday. But then I came back to Lebanon, went to work. And then one time, Christmas 2015, I was in Baghdad giving a workshop to the Central Bank of Iraq. <laughs> What? And wait, 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 wait. 2015. Yes. <laughs> the central ba- bank. What were you talking to the Bank of, of Baghdad in 2015 about? How to implement U.S. tax laws. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they needed to know that for some reason. That's not the point. The point is, the day that I was going there, uh, I had to be with bodyguards who had, uh, you know, uh, AK-47s in an armored car. There were so many, uh, what do you call that? Like uh, roadblocks. And someone had tried to blow himself up at the entrance of the bank. Oh. And again, again, this is kind of like you get flashbacks. And it's like, oh, okay. So I guess maybe that's why they asked me to provide a proof of life before going to to Iraq. Proof of life, by the way, is where you have to list every identifying mark on your body. Just in case they have to recuperate the body. In case I get killed. After that, I came back, quit my job, and said, I want to do this trip. Oh, it's like similar. Similar to the first part. Oh, wow. Wow. I I had no idea, but that actually answers one of my big questions I wanted to ask you, which is, why the f*** would you go to every Lebanon in America? I mean, it's an amazing idea, but but it's suddenly, I understand. I get it. You were were looking, it's almost like, I mean, I'm going to say a thing and you can tell me if I'm bullshitting here. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost like you got, you left the country that made you and you were looking for it elsewhere. Is that, is Uh, that, is that stupid to say or is that, does that seem That is not stupid at all. It's very correct, actually. It's just asking the question, what does it feel like you from this town called Lebanon? What do you, what does it feel like you being from Lebanon who does not know what war is, who does not know what a bomb shelter is? Okay, that was all by way of introducing the story. Now I want to throw to uh, the original piece uh, that ran on Kerning Cultures. Thank you again to Heba and the entire team over there. The story was produced by Alex Atek. He interviewed Fadi for this original story uh, when Fadi was living in Beirut. They met at his apartment. And we'll just pick up the story there. Just so I can get some levels. Can you tell me what you did today? 
I did nothing today. Had breakfast, two manushis. <laughs> That's it. So when Ferdi came up with the idea for this trip, his friends and his family were torn as to whether or not it was even a good idea for him to do it. They weren't sure if they wanted him to give up his life and his work in Lebanon to spend months on the road driving around a country where he knew next to nobody. I had two sets of friends, like the friends of the finance world and the friends of the photography world. So the friends of the photography world were like, yeah, do it, you know? The friends of the finance world and the family and all that thought that I pretty much lost my mind. But he planned his route anyway. Hello, my name is Fadi, and I'm a photographer from Lebanon, the country in the Middle East. This is him on his blog. I've flown all the way from Beirut to the United States to take a road trip to photograph and discover all the towns, cities, and villages called Lebanon in America. There's over 40 of them. The route was to stop at all 47 Lebanon, starting in Seattle, Washington, where he rented an old camper from a guy he met on the internet. This is the entrance of the RV from the side, where this would be where the living quarters are. What do you call it? It was like, a, it's a motor home. So there's a couch there. It had a and dinette table. Like a stove with four burners. It had an oven, a microwave, a shower. The driver's seat, this is where I'd be driving it. And right on top is where the bed is. Okay, so, um, so you, you kind of plan it all. I have this like super romantic idea in my head of like... Yes driving and it's like beautiful. It's just beautiful. You know, driving on the road and the open, wide, wide open space and all. It's just great. Did you have like a soundtrack? I, I listen to classical music a lot. And to uh, bluegrass country, Celtic. I don't know, it's a bit varied what I listen to. But I gotta say that I didn't get to listen to a lot of that often because on large parts of the road, I did not have an internet connection. So I had to listen to my thoughts a lot <laughs> instead of the radio. There was, I couldn't even use Google Maps or I had to use an actual paper map because that's the only thing I get. Fatty told Alex that those first two weeks uh, driving from Seattle to Lebanon, North Dakota, sleeping in Walmart parking lots, only really seeing people at gas stations, if that. Totally upended his idea of America. Like, uh, my idea of the U.S. was New York, San Francisco. And whatever other towns, it was just through movies. So I'd see town after town where all the stores are boarded up, you know, places are for sale, foreclosed houses. It was really, really sad. Like, you find pockets within the U.S. that are more third world than any third world country. His plan was quite simple. He wanted to just show up in each of these Lebanons and take pictures of the landscapes and the people that he found along the way. This photo was taken on the road, and it was one of the... Some of the pictures are really cool, by the way. You see bales of hay at sunset, a guy in a black cowboy hat asleep at a McDonald's. This photo, the reason why I like it is that because it's like two American cliches in one. One, it's a cowboy, and two, he's in a McDonald's. In another picture, you see a dead deer with its eyes open, hanging from a tree, strung up from its hind legs, and it's just in someone's yard. This photo, after posting it, I understood a lot about the division between rural America and urban America. Very similar story to Lebanon the country, 
where you have central Beirut, very glitzy, but then just a few miles away, people in the mountains living without electricity. In any case, his first stop, Lebanon, North Dakota, population 100 people-ish, streets were empty, unpaved. He spoke with a Norwegian farmer, took pictures of the cemetery. But I left on that same day because there was nothing. It was such a small town. But Lebanon, South Dakota... Just four hours south. Even though it's tiny, it has 26 people. But over there, I went to the library and I did research about the town and all that. And it was the librarian who told me, go ask for Hazel in the Long Branch Saloon. This could be like a line out of a movie, seriously. So I went in and went to the Long Branch Saloon. It's all wood on the inside. You know, it looks like it it was built a long, long time ago. It had a pool table, it had a jukebox, and a lot of photographs behind the bar and, and all that. But it was a... It was not a tiny place, you know, like 30, 40 people could easily fit in there. And Hazel is the bartender and she's in her 70s. And at the time I was hungry, so I thought, can I have something, like, can I order something, you know, to eat? And she said, well, go to the back of the bar, open the freezer, bring me a frozen pizza, let me heat it for you. We called the Long Branch, but Hazel wasn't in that day. So we spoke to her colleague, Linda, instead. Lebanon Bar. This is Linda. Hi, is this the the Long Branch Saloon? Yes, it is. Hi, um, I'm calling. I have I have a kind of unusual. Reaction. Linda is one of three women who work at the Long Branch Saloon in Lebanon, South Dakota. It's a town of less than fifty people, so this is the only bar in town. And I called them up to ask if they remembered Ferdi. Yeah, I remember him. Oh, you I do. I had my picture taken with him. When I called, it was around nine thirty in the morning for them, and she was just starting her day. But she had some time, so she started telling me more about Lebanon, South Dakota. (laughs) Well, we're a very small town. There's only about 39 people that live here. We have a bar called the Long Branch, and we also have an elevator in town. The elevator she's talking about uh, isn't the kind of elevator you're thinking of. She means a grain elevator, uh, basically a grain storage facility. We are known for the first outdoor swimming pool built in South Dakota. It was built in 1926. We're kind of a quiet little town. Uh, Fabio was here. I know she says Fabio here, but she means Fatty. He came, we told him to come in on a Wednesday night. We have Dart League on Wednesday night, so there's usually about 24 of us people around here. Could you describe what the, um, I mean, if you were to stand out, if you were to walk to the front door of the Long Branch um, now, I mean, what, what do you see? Well, I'm here all by myself right now. I usually have a couple guys that come in for coffee. I open up at 9 o'clock and put the coffee on, and I haven't seen any cars go down the street this morning so far. It's been kind of quiet in town. How many cars would you say go by on an average uh, day? On an average day? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, Probably 10. I moved here in 72, but I lived in Gettysburg before that, and that was just 10 miles west of here. And I raised my kids here in town. And uh, back in 1972, there was about 134 people that lived here. But as the kids all grew up and went away to school and college and stuff, now it's just a group of old timers here. (laughs) 
Of course, I've worked in the bar here for about 43 years, so I've gotten to know a lot of people from all the different towns around here, and we're kind of called the friendliest little, we're friendly people meet. That's kind of our motto, we're friendly people meet. And people have told us they enjoy coming to our little bar because of us. Because I know we're getting up in age, you know, like 75, 73, 71 years old. And uh, I just had somebody here a month ago and says, what are they going to do with the Long Branch when you girls all quit working there? And I'm like, I don't know, because <laughs> we've been here forever, you know. <laughs> Is that kind of a common problem in, in, in your Lebanon, that like um, young people move away to kind of bigger cities or towns? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, when my three girls got out of high school, I just basically told them, you better move to a bigger town because there's no opportunity here, you know, to make a career of anything. And, uh, and so my kids did move to a bigger town. Does it kind of make you feel sad that so many young people are leaving? Well, yeah, it does. I would say in 50 years, we're, we're not even going to be a little town anymore, I don't think. So back to that moment where Ferdy's sitting eating a frozen pizza across the bar from Hazel in Lebanon, South Dakota. The two were talking, and then Ferdy made this kind of amazing discovery. I sat in and I was talking to her and she said, well, where are you from? And I said, from Lebanon. And as I said Lebanon, her eyes just lit up. And she said, well, you got to get out of the bar now and go across the street until you find a tree and you'll know what I'm talking about, which I did. And that's where they had a huge sign that says Cedar of Lebanon, gift from the country of Lebanon to Lebanon, South Dakota. And there was a big tree next to it and it was not a cedar tree, it was a juniper tree. This is where the story gets interesting. Thus begins a bit of a detective story. But first, let me explain a little bit about what's going on here. Cedar trees are very easy to recognize. They are, I mean, at least for Lebanese people, they are the symbol of Lebanon. You see cedar trees on the flag that is burning in protest right now. They are on passports. But like everything in Lebanon, I mean, this thing that is so much a part of the country is barely there anymore. For thousands of years, various empires would march into Lebanon and take the cedars. The Romans used the cedars to build their walls. The Sumerians and Babylonians and Egyptians would make coffins out of cedar trees because they felt the wood would take them into the afterlife. As for the mystery of that specific juniper tree in Lebanon, South Dakota, that was posing as a cedar, here's what Fatty quickly discovered. Yet a lot of Lebanese in America, starting in about 1880 and then moving through to the 1920s, you had like several hundred thousand Lebanese in America. And jumping forward a bit, 1955, in Lebanon, the country, you had a prime minister, Camille Shamoun, who was a Christian guy. Uh, He saw Lebanon as a real bridge between East and West. He heard about all of these Lebanon USAs, and he decided to reach out and invite seven mayors of the various Lebanons of, of the U.S. to come to Lebanon, the country, and go on a tour. They came. They spent two weeks here, seven of them. They visited the presidential mansion, the ancient ruins. They drove up the famous Khadija Gorge to see the uh, cedars of God, the few that remain. And after two weeks, the first lady, Zalfa Shamoun, gave each of them a sapling of Lebanese cedar to take back to their own towns to plant them. 
Which brings us back to Fadi in 2016, standing in front of this juniper tree that was labelled as a cedar tree gift from the country of Lebanon in 1955. And while he was standing in front of it, he like knew straight away that this was not a cedar of Lebanon. So he started researching where this mix-up came from. I had to do a lot of digging in the archives of the Daily Star and Nahar and Lorient Le Jour in Lebanon, all these newspapers. And then, even after I went to the U.S., I started going from library to library in these places, going, going through the microfiche. Uh, one of those machines in libraries that, like, archives old newspapers as, um, as tiny slides. The person who was supposed to take care of the cedar trees was a guy called Charles Harris from Lebanon, Nebraska. Who wasn't a town mayor himself, actually. He was, um, he was just a representative for the town of Lebanon, Nebraska. The mayor of Lebanon, Nebraska was like an older guy, so he couldn't make the trip himself. He sent a representative instead, who was Charles Harris, and he was just 23 years old, like he was a young guy. He was 24, actually, but he was also an agronomy student, which is basically the study of um, plants and soil. So I suppose the rest of the town mayors thought, OK, we'll give these saplings to this guy, He'll do whatever he needs to do with them to um, to adapt them to the U.S. climate and we'll plant them back in the U.S. when it's done. But that didn't happen. This is where the dark part of the history comes in. Charles Harris did not go to Lebanon, Nebraska after Beirut. He decided to go to Jerusalem first because it was close to Easter and he wanted to do a pilgrimage of the Holy Land. And he got killed there. Charles Harris was killed by a Jordanian border guard. Now, the circumstances around his death are um, a little bit lost in time. But another New York Times article from 1955 says, quote, Charles B. Harris of Lebanon, Nebraska, was killed today in the Jerusalem no-man's land by a Jordanian guard's rifle shot. A Jordanian sentry shouted a warning. Mr. Harris apparently continued on his way. A shot from the guard killed him, end quote. But because he got killed there, the trees, someone needed to take care of them, so they shipped them to Lebanon, Ohio instead. And the nursery in Lebanon, Ohio, they fumigated them. To make sure they don't carry any pests or, like, diseases that are going to infect other trees in the area. And as they fumigated them, six of the seven died. Only one survived, and they kept it. But what they did was, instead of telling the other towns that the trees died, they sent them different species of trees and told them that this was a cedar tree. But I didn't have the heart to tell them, by the way. I mean, they were proud of it, you know? So in any case, I went back to the bar and Hazel told me, you can come back in the evening because people could come in. You know, you'll, you'll see more people. So he went back that evening and played darts with some of the, with some of the friendly folks from Lebanon, South Dakota, and and left in the morning for his next Lebanon. He continued his trip over the winter, visiting 46 Lebanons over the next four months, and then it was time to come back home to Beirut, back home to reality. Long story short, after the first trip, I came back to Lebanon, my Lebanon. When I was doing the trip, I had quit my day job to focus on photography. But then, you know, that kind of life isn't very sustainable, financially speaking, so I was like, okay, maybe I should just... <laughs> take off my hat and go back to my old stuff, so. Yeah. So Fatty took a job teaching photojournalism, wasn't really sure what he should be doing, 
where he should be living, whether in Lebanon the country or over in America. Says he kind of felt a little free-floating. But after he'd been back a few months, he got this text message from somebody in Lebanon, Nebraska. And suddenly the adventure took a whole new turn. That's after the break. Hi, this is Florian calling from Linz in Austria. Radiolab is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org. Science reporting on Radiolab is supported in part by Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. Radiolab is supported by Z-Biotics. If you've been looking for some help waking up refreshed after a fun night out, Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is here to help. Z-Biotics is a genetically engineered probiotic invented by scientists to help tackle rough mornings after drinking. This probiotic is the first drink of the night for a better tomorrow, as it works to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is responsible for rough mornings after. Go to zbiotics.com slash Radiolab to get 15% off your first order when you use Radiolab at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. If you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's zbiotics.com slash Radiolab and use the code Radiolab at checkout for 15% off. Radiolab is supported by Babbel. Sometimes self-improvement can feel like a pretty overwhelming journey. So what if this year you just got a tiny bit better every day. When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with quick 10-minute lessons that have been handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. You can learn everything you need to have real-world conversations, café s'il vous plaît, from vocabulary words to culture and more. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a few months or a full year. Here is a special limited time deal for Radiolab listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Radiolab. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash Radiolab, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Radiolab. Rules and restrictions may apply. Violent police raids on student protest encampments play out against the backdrop of a crucial presidential election. Could this be 1968 all over again? If every election is just like 1968, then no election is like 1968. Maybe this election is like 2024. Plus, what Israelis are seeing on TV on this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. This is Radio Lab. I'm Jad Abumrad. Back to our story uh, from producer Alex Atek and the podcast Kerning Cultures. This is a story about a road trip from Lebanon, the country, to 47 Lebanon, USA's, and then back. When we left Fadi, he was in Beirut, not quite sure what to do with his life, when he gets a text message, several actually, from people he'd met in Lebanon, Nebraska. Lebanon, Nebraska, they didn't have a real cedar tree. They had a juniper tree. But still, they thought it was a cedar from Lebanon. And it was a big tree, and they decorated it on Christmas because it was, like, by the town hall. And after I came back, a few months after I came back, 
people started sending me photos of the tree and it got hit by lightning and split in half. Oh my God. As I, it feels like there's a curse to me or something. So this is after you visited? After I visited, yeah. This tree had been there for what? Like 60, 60 years, 60 years. And, and then just shortly after you visited? Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't something like, you know, like it died. No, it had to be something like biblical. <laughs> So people start sending you messages, like, with the picture of the tree. Yeah, asking if I could replace it, though. So a plan started to formulate in the back of his mind. What if I can go back around America and repay all of these towns in some small way by gifting them real cedars of Lebanon? I knew that I couldn't take the cedars from Lebanon, because they were gonna be fumigated again. And that takes like two years. Instead, I found a nursery in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, <laughs> to keep with the, you know, with the biblical thing. <laughs> so a Lebanese guy, Lebanese American guy, had brought the seeds from here, but had grown the saplings over there. Yeah, he actually reached out to me first. Um, I was following his, uh, his tour, but then he reached out to me. I was like, oh, I know who you are. Okay, so I know the line isn't great here, but this is Bas Salmon, who runs a tree nursery in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I work actually for Apple. I, that's my uh, full-time job, but I also operate a, a nursery called Trees of Joy. And I grow trees that are not very common to this uh, part of the world. And as you might expect, he's also kind of an encyclopedia on cedars of Lebanon. There's even a cedar of Lebanon tree in the White House in Washington, D.C. No way. Yeah. How did that come to be there? Uh, that was in the 70s uh, by Jimmy Carter. He planted that tree along with uh, a group of Lebanese people in the late 70s. So when Ferdi reached out with this kind of strange idea, he was down to help. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely not uh, uh, what it's not for the money that I wanted to be involved in something like that. I have, I adore the cedar trees. I love nature. Um, and seeing something that started as a seed in my nursery, it's like a baby. And it's like, you know, having a baby that matures into into a big man and goes to college and have a degree in something and have something like accomplished. So seeing a seed that started out in my greenhouse to be planted out in a city called Lebanon is really, really, uh, really, really nice. And I should say, we're not just talking about shipping off a few envelopes of seeds here, which is what I initially thought. Uh, so when you say post the tree, I mean, what, what are you posting? Is it like a seed or is it like a mini tree? Like, what am I imagining here? Uh, so it is a it's, a, it's a grown tree in a pot with soil and it's, you know, physically grown. And so the trees I've sent them, they were already about uh, four years old. And so in the autumn of 2018, Fedi planned his second trip around the US, two years after his first trip. This time with the goal to replant eight Lebanese cedars in the towns that Charles Harris's saplings had never made it to. So wherever I go into any of these Lebanons, he'd ship me the trees to the close post office, and that's where we'd plant them. And on this trip, he ended up again in Lebanon, South Dakota. This is the, the small town of under 50 people where he first discovered the mislabeled cedar trees, but he couldn't plant an actual Lebanese cedar here. For one simple reason is that the weather in Lebanon, South Dakota, would not allow an actual cedar tree from Lebanon to live. 
But I did, it was one of my favorite places to go to, Lebanon, South Dakota. So I did go back on this trip and I went there because it was close to my birthday and I wanted to spend my birthday at the Long Branch Saloon. <laughs> I did not do that because my van broke down somewhere else and I was a few days late. But as I got there, I went into the bar and Jan was there. Jan, by the way, is someone else who works at the Long Branch Saloon. And I just was wondering if she's gonna remember me from two years ago. So the first thing she tells me, like, not hello, not anything, she said, where have you been? That was the first question. I was like, do you, do you remember me? She's like, yeah, I remember. You were supposed to be here a few days ago. It turns out his aunt, who lives in San Francisco, knew he'd roughly be spending his birthday in Lebanon, South Dakota. So she called the bar, the Long Branch Saloon, to let them know and mailed a tray of baklava to the Long Branch for all of them to eat. She said, you gotta come back tonight. So I came back tonight and it was Jan and Jim and they were playing and they played for me, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, today I Little party for him. This is Linda from the Long Branch Saloon again. Jim McRoberts, he played the guitar and Jan played the accordion. And, and um, so we had music and Fabio was taking pictures of them while they were playing. And we had a group picture with him with all the people in the bar that night. So after spending his birthday in Lebanon, South Dakota, he continued on his trip, and one of his next stops was Lebanon, Missouri. I will admit that I teared up a little bit when the mayor of Lebanon, Missouri came, and he presented to me with a proclamation of friendship between, like an official one, between their town and our country. So this is the proclamation that Mayor Jared Carr of Lebanon, Missouri signed on that day. The city of Lebanon and communities across America share a bond with the country of Lebanon, not only through name, but friendship. Americans have growing social, cultural, and economic ties to the global community as we seek to communicate with and understand our partners from different language and cultural backgrounds. And it was something, I mean, I, I mean, the words in it, that was just like, it, it was touching. Though thousands of miles may separate our countries, our communities are bonded in friendship and an historic connection dating back to 1955. And the mayor actually designated an entire day to this. September 20th in Lebanon, Missouri, is now the day of friendship between the Republic of Lebanon and the town of Lebanon, Missouri. Over these four months, Fedi planted eight trees in eight different Lebanons. And in some way that brings us full circle. I'm just curious, like, you started off your journey by leaving. W whatever it was you were looking for, do you feel like you found it? It just reminded me of a, of a thing, which is uh, when I was in uh, Lebanon, Wisconsin, one of the Lebanons in Wisconsin, because there's two, Lebanon, Wapaka County, Wisconsin. So it had no people at all, uh, but I was going to sleep for the night in... Like, I was trying to find a place to sleep because I was in a... Uh, camper van so I was in an RV and I remember seeing uh, there was a church parking lot so I thought okay I'll sleep there 
And then the next morning when I woke up and I remember getting out and it was misty and you could smell the smell of cow manure, right? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, the idea of cow manure, it's not the very pleasant thing. But for me, it was just so good to smell that. It triggered this whole memory thing from when I was growing up. Because at one point during the Civil War, it was so messed up because we're in the bomb shelter and all that. Our neighbors who are from the village, from a village in the Bikah called Tirbul, mm-hmm. they said, okay, how about we go there, just spend some time there because it's not, there's not a lot of bombing there. I remember when we went there, it was just a village and we were in the fields the whole day, smelling cow manure the whole time. But for someone who had been cooped up in a bomb shelter and now who's just running freely, it just triggered this whole idea of cow manure being freedom, you know? Yeah. I remember when I walked out of that RV and I smelled that, it felt like, oh my God, it's like that moment was, well, it was a, it was a, I don't know, like powerful is a bit of an overused word, but it was a strong moment and enough of a strong moment for me that I slept in that same spot without moving for three days. No kidding. Yeah, because it's just like, it just transports you back to this good time. It's like, I didn't, I didn't want to move. It was just a happy time. Let me offer a postscript to the story. I mentioned that I grew up near Lebanon, Tennessee. My dad still lives there. That was one of the seven places where Fadi planted new trees. Well, I happened to be visiting him this week, and he and I, my kids, we drove up. Dad, this way. And uh, tried to find the little plaque in the cedar tree that Fadi had planted with the mayor and a whole ceremony. All right. I'm told it's in this playground. It was in a public park. Oh, wait, here it is. Let me see. Yeah, here it is. And we did find the little stone plaque. Lebanese cedar tree from the country of Lebanon. Cedrus Lebanese, I guess that's the, the technical term. Cedrus Lebanese, cedar of Lebanon, presented by Fadi Bukharam to the city of Lebanon in August 3rd, 2018. But next to the plaque... And there are kids playing. But there's no cedar tree. We were like, where's the tree? I noticed there's a guy in a green shirt who looked like the groundskeeper about 20 yards away. What, can you tell me what happened? What, where, where'd the tree go to? It was a twig about that big. Okay. I'm sure the kids ran back and forth. Somebody ran it over. Oh, so it they... Wasn't, it wasn't a bush. Okay. It was a twig. It had nothing on it. And so, someone stepped on it or something? Well, I'm sure they did. We came in one morning it was down. Do, when did that happen? Oh, it happened... What, three or four months ago? I don't know. Yeah. That, was, that little tree right there wasn't going to never make it there. Wow. Man. They ran over it. The kids ran over it. And then the oh, kids... Oh, God. That's not My dad and I were like, well, that's just fitting. But then walking back to the car, he and I decided, you know what? It'd also be fitting if we just replanted the tree. I would replace it. Yeah. 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 We'll call Fatty, the guy from Pennsylvania. We'll have him send us a new tree. Yeah. Send it to you. I'll pay you. And you bring it over to him. So we made a plan. And then, I mean, it would cost you like, you know, $100. To call Bass Salmon at the Bethlehem Nursery, arrange for him to send my dad a new cedar sapling, and we're going to bring that back to Dave to replant.
This piece was made in collaboration with Kerning Cultures, a podcast that tells stories from the Middle East and North Africa, in both Arabic and English. Be sure to check them out because they are amazing at kerningcultures.com. Huge thanks to them. The original story was reported by Alex Atek with editorial support from Bella Ibrahim, Dana Balut, Zaina Duider, and Heba Fisher. Original sound design by Alex Atek. The new update of the story was produced by Shim Oliai. And we had original music by Thomas Koner and Jad Atui. So now that makes three Jads. You can read more about Fatty's trips and see his photographs at LebanonUSA.com or on his Instagram at LebanonUSA. And if you'd like to donate to Beirut at this difficult time, we've got a bunch of links on our website, radiolab.org. Thank you for the support and for listening. I'm Jad Abumrad. See you next time. Hi, I'm Jenny Devine, calling from Milan, Italy. Radiolab is created by Jad Abumrad with Robert Kolich and produced by Soren Wheeler. Dylan Keep is our director of sound design. Susan Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Kusick, David Gebel, Bethel Habte, Tracy Hunt, Matt Kilty, Tobin Lowe, Annie McEwen, Latif Nasser, Sarah Quarry, Adrian Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster, with help from Shima Oliai, Sarah Sandback, and Russell Gregg. Our fact checker is Michelle Harris. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.